The place for Celtics news. The place for Celtics opinion. The place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. What the hell is going on? Seriously, what in the blue hell is going on with the Boston Celtics? What's happening right now? What is Danny Ainge doing? Is it panic time? Everybody relax for a minute. We're going to talk about this thing in a reasonable kind of way. The world is not burning, okay? Everybody settle down, take a deep breath. Let's work our way through this, which is the plan for today's episode. Cattle's on Causeway again. uh, Thanks for joining us here on SoundCloud. We continue to try to get iTunes behind this thing, but it's been very, very difficult for some unknown reason. Maybe an update on that with our guy Kyle, the executive producer of this podcast, later on. But we've got a lot to get through. We've got to talk about this implosion of a plan for the Seas. And I also want to give you some names that I'm looking forward to watching uh, tomorrow night get drafted. I've got a list of 10 or 11 guys that I think are worthwhile to pay attention to uh, tomorrow night as we tape this podcast on Wednesday morning. So as I said, what in the world is going on? Al Horford uh, flips the script and he is now likely gone. Mark Stein tweeted late last night, early this morning, that the word around the league is that Horford can end up with a $100 million deal or so for four years. And listen, Once I read that, and even before I read that, I understood what was going on here. I know a lot of people are trying to carry that narrative that the Celtics just can't get players and that no one wants to play in Boston, which I think is utter bullshit. When you look at Horford signing, Hayward signing, the fact that Kyrie, when he was in Cleveland, Boston was on his list as far as places he wanted to go. I'm not sitting here saying that the Celtics are just a waste. A lot of people are loving to kick this team while it's down with them losing Horford likely and likely losing Irving and not getting Anthony Davis. But let's look at it in realistic terms. They did sign Horford. They did sign Hayward. Kyrie did want to go to Boston. So I'm not buying that, all right? I'm not buying that they're a lost cause, that Boston will never get another free agent, that a guy will never want to play in Boston again. That is hyperbole, and again, it's bullshit, all right? So what we're talking about here is Horford getting more money. It's rather simple, guys. Horford wants a chance to win a championship first and foremost. If he can accomplish that and get a lot more money from that team, he's going to go. He's going to leave. And if he's going to get $100 million over the next four years versus signing a contract with the Celtics for, let's say, three years, $60 million or three years, $65 million, then you take that deal every single day of the week if you're Horford. So no hard feelings. Business is business. Horford's going to go to a team, I can guarantee you, that has a chance to win a championship. And he's going to make major bank. You've got to take that deal if you're Al. And if you're the Celtics, don't get upset. And I don't think they'll be upset about this at all. And I don't think fans should be upset about this. Why would you want the Celtics to pay Al Horford $25 million in the year 2023? Why would you ever want that? He's, what, 33 years old? Do you really want to pay a 36-year-old Al Horford $25 million? Isn't that kind of uh, ridiculous to think about? Isn't that the kind of deal that we look at and we say, man, what a bad deal. They handcuff themselves. How in the world? 
How in the world could they sign Al Horford to a contract that's going to pay him that much money when he's 36 freaking years old? How could they do that? Danny H has no idea what he's doing. People would be going crazy. It makes sense. It makes sense for Al to sign this deal. It makes sense for the Celtics to walk away and say, no, we're not going to hamstring our cap space three years from now. As much as we love Horford, we're not looking at paying him 25 to $30 million and not giving him a term of four years. That's an overpay. So at that point, you walk away. Now, I am concerned about Adam Himmelsbach from the Globe, his report last night via Twitter, that the Celtics knew about this for a few days and that they were still hoping for Horford to return. Because what that tells me is the Celtics are scrambling a little bit. They didn't have a plan B right away. And they're not quite ready to just pivot and do something else. They're still hoping that Horford changes his mind. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I think it's very likely that Horford is gone. And now that the Celtics scramble, we have to wait and see what that plan B or C or D or E, whatever letter they're on by now, what that turns out to be. But good for Al. As a Celtics fan, good for Al. No hard feelings. Guy played his ass off. For, for a couple of years, three years here. And he was somebody who was always a leader on and off the floor. I think he would have stayed with the Celtics if things went differently in this offseason. I think he would have definitely stayed with the Celtics if they upped their offer enough. But again, it's a business at the end of the day, and he gets a chance to win a championship because I think he will land with a contender. So I'm happy for Al. He was the first big-time free agent that the Celtics signed. And he's the first big-time free agent they signed, especially during my fandom of the team. So I wish nothing but the best for Al Horford. He's moving on. We're moving on. Cattle's on Causeway. Nick Cattle's with you from ESPN Radio. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Nick C Radio, and you can follow this podcast at Causeway Podcast. Again, at Causeway Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell every single Celtics fan that you know. Retweet us, Facebook post us, get this machine rolling. We move on from Horford, and now it's time to talk about, man, oh man, the guy that really none of us want to talk about but we have to Kyrie Irving here's the latest from Adrian Wojnarowski from this morning on ESPN's Get Up well what Brooklyn would like to have is not just Kyrie Irving but a second star come in with him Uh, and obviously Kevin Durant is that player Um, if they don't get a second star uh, it will be interesting to see if Brooklyn wants to have Kyrie Irving as a solo act that didn't go so great in Boston last year Uh, And so we'll see if um, Brooklyn is still following through on just Kyrie Irving, because if they don't take Kyrie Irving, they can just bring back D'Angelo Russell at a lower number, younger player. Uh, But their focus with the Nets, let's get two stars, Kyrie Irving, uh, to try to get Kyrie Irving to go out and recruit KD for him to come together. Holy shit, would that be delicious. Would that be delicious, right? Could you imagine Kyrie angling his way out of Boston thinking that Brooklyn was the answer? That was his golden ticket. And then all of a sudden the Nets turn around and they say, you know what, Kyrie, you alone? Not really. Not really what we're looking forward to. If you can't get Durant here, uh, we're going to move on from you. Could you imagine that? How excellent would that be? Now, Kyrie might end up with the Lakers, (laughs) which would be interesting, but when you look at this story, you know, at first it was, oh, he's definitely going to the Nets, right? 
And that was pretty much a fait accompli as far as a couple of weeks ago. Before that, it was 95% done. Him going to the New York Knicks with Kevin Durant. That thing uh, has seemingly fallen apart, but you never really know in 2019 and the NBA. Anything can happen, as we just learned with Al Horford. That story changed on a dime within 8 to 10 hours yesterday. So we don't really know what's going to end up happening with Irving. We all feel like Brooklyn looks like the leader in the clubhouse, but if the Nets turn around, and they flip the script on Kyrie and they say, hey, listen, if you're not with somebody, we're not going to bring you in. Man, what a shot. What a shot at Kyrie's ego that would be, right? And that would tell you that the Nets, looking at Irving last year with the Celtics, watching what happened against the Bucks in the playoffs, that would tell you that the Nets realized what we all realized watching that postseason. Kyrie Irving is not Batman, and the Nets know that. The Nets know Kyrie Irving is not a Batman. He is a Robin. And the Nets need the Batman before they bring in Robin. Possibly. According to Adrian Wojnarowski. What a fascinating story. What a fascinating story. It goes from Kyrie Irving reportedly ghosting the Celtics to the Nets possibly ghosting Kyrie Irving. That is fantastic. That is irony at its best. But no matter what... I think we all agree uh, Kyrie is likely gone. And I, I don't know if you're looking at Irving much like the Nets are. One question that they might be asking themselves, aside from the Batman and the Robin thing, is this guy ever going to be happy? I mean, he asked out of Cleveland, LeBron James and company and Kevin Love, a title contender. He wanted out. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be his own man. He wanted to be the leader of a team that could contend. He wanted organizational stability. He got all that in Boston. And he turned it into a terrible situation for himself. So he wasn't happy in Cleveland, being the second guy with the greatest player on the planet, on a perennial contender. He wasn't happy in Boston with a bunch of young talent and veteran talent, a loaded team, Brad Stevens as the coach, front office stability, ownership stability, the ability to make more money with the Celtics than anyone else. He wasn't happy with that situation. Maybe he just wants to play close to home. But you have a feeling if that's what it is, if it's as simple as that, will he be happy when he gets home? Will he ever be happy, this guy? Kyrie is the TNT to two contenders over three off-seasons. Three off-seasons, he blew up two contenders. He blew up the Cavaliers, and he blew up the Celtics. All by himself. All by himself. It's impressive. I don't even know if I'm mad. That's impressive, watching that happen. In a league where guys can manipulate situations, in a league where the, the, the agents and the players are, are the master puppeteers of every team across the league, this is a special kind of thing, what uh, Kyrie has been, been doing here. It's been, it's been special. It's been a hell of a time. And then you cap it all off. The cherry on the top was what happened over the weekend. Anthony Davis going to L.A., and, and we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, or maybe it was last episode. It was last episode. We talked about Anthony Davis, and I had mentioned that, hey, I'm not going crazy for Davis. I would put Jason Tatum on the table, but I would not trade Tatum and Brown. I would not trade Tatum and the Memphis pick. I wouldn't do those kinds of deals for Davis. And that's what it sounds like Ainge did. If you read the latest from Zach Lowe on the Davis deal, 
Zach Lowe makes the argument that, hey, I'm not sold on the idea that the Celtics never put Tatum on the table. These talks are very fluid. And they, they change. So Tatum might have not been in an official offer, quote-unquote, but that does not mean his name was not floated to New Orleans as part of a certain package. So I think Ainge played this right. You don't want to go too crazy to bring Davis in. There's a line. There's a line with every single deal. And Danny knew the line, and he walked away. Tatum on the table, I'd be okay with that, as I said. But to go along with Brown or that Memphis pick, that's when I walk away. So now you look at this, and you try to figure out where the Celtics go from here. And again, you're going to hear Nick Wright, the hot take artist. You're going to hear a lot of people on these debate shows on ESPN and and FS1. You're going to hear these guys talk about how all has been lost for the Celtics. There's no chance that they can do anything. They wasted away the assets. I love that, by the way. Here's a quick tangent. How did they waste the assets with the Nets deal? They drafted Jason Tatum, which I still think he can be a top 10 to 15 player in the league. Way too many people are writing that kid off because he played alongside Kyrie last year. Way too many people are writing him off. Let him, let him have his shots. Let him be him. And I still think he has the ceiling of a top 15 guy in the league. That's not a waste of an asset. Jalen Brown is still a damn good basketball player. You could argue that Jalen Brown was the best Celtic, most consistent Celtic in the postseason. And ever since the the trade deadline, and really New Year's Eve, go back to New Year's Eve of last season, and Jalen Brown had a very, very good string of of three or four months. Jalen Brown could end up being a top 25, 30 player in the league if he hits his ceiling. These guys are still young. Everybody wants to make some grandiose proclamation. They just want to write about this guy being bad or this guy being excellent. Sometimes it takes time. I mean, I thought Buddy Heald was a disaster. Last year, he was pretty damn good. you got to give these guys time to develop. And when they're playing with a Kyrie Irving, it's very difficult to do that. So I'm not giving up on those young guys. Those aren't wasted assets. What the hell are you talking about? They used some of those assets to trade for Kyrie Irving. Was anybody bitching about it being a wasted asset when they brought Kyrie in? They had this whole thing set up, folks. Is it Danny Ainge's fault that Kyrie decided to just light this thing up and blow it up? No. The Celtics took the swing. They brought Irving in, a top 15 player in the league, but they can't brainwash that dude. He's going to do what he wants to do. He's mercurial. And we should have paid attention a little bit more to those Cleveland days. You know, we tended to blame Cleveland and LeBron because it was easy to do. But when you look at Kyrie and what he's done since he left Cleveland, you can put as much blame, if not more, on Kyrie. So I'm not buying that story that the Celtics wasted the Brooklyn assets. Give me a break. That's ridiculous. So what now? What do the Celtics do? Again, this is the uh, Cattles on Causeway podcast. Nick Cattles, ESPN with you, uh, talking about the roster implosion. And I'll also give you some notes on the draft that I've got. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. So where do they go now? Here's the good news about Horford leaving. 
And I tweeted this out at Causeway Podcast, and I also tweeted out lots of hypotheticals, hypothetical lineups, depending on what could happen with the C's this offseason. Again, follow us on Causeway Podcast. But here's the silver lining to Horford and Irving likely walking away. The Celtics now have $28, $29 million in cap space. If they trade Gershon Yabusele to a team for, say, a second-round pick for a cash dump, they can create $32 million in cap space. $32 million in cap space is a max slot for a seven- to nine-year veteran. So if you're asking yourself, can the Celtics go out and get Jimmy Butler? Yes. Could they go out and get Kemba Walker? Yes. They could get a max guy. I'm not saying that's what they'll do, but for those trying to figure out what moves they could do, they could actually sign a max free agent because of Horford and Irving walking away if they do a couple of other moves. Again, you could trade Yabusele. You can trade a couple of the picks that are coming up tomorrow night to create even more cap space. You can deal guys off the team other than Yabusele. So there is a lot of leeway here. And they've got a shit ton of cap space to work with. So you could have a max guy come in. You could do nothing and float that cap space. Or you can do what Philadelphia did a couple of years ago. Remember when Philadelphia had all that cap space and they had young players? And everybody was wondering what they were going to do. Were they going to try to bring in a max guy? And they were, they were looking at LeBron and all this stuff. And, and they ended up swinging and missing uh, on the max guys. What did they do? What did they do, Kyle Hightower, executive producer? Remember what Philly did? They went out and traded for two big guys. Well, before that, though. The year I'm talking about the year before that. Oh, the year before that is that that's when they signed JJ, right? Exactly. So Philly went out and they said, if we can't get a max guy, then we're going to go out and we're going to get a player who is going to make us better and overspend for that guy, be every other team when it comes to money, but sign him to a one year deal. That way our team gets better but we don't handcuff ourselves down the road with a crazy contract. Celtics can do the same damn thing. They could have $30 million in cap space. They could try to work a deal with a max guy. They could try to swing a a, a trade and bring somebody who makes a lot of money back. They could do nothing and kick the cap space down the road, or they could spend on one-year deals. They can go out and hunt after guys that are restricted free agents. Teams might be uncomfortable signing to long-term deals if they think they're the right fit. I got some names for you, okay? You, you can rewind this and write it down because I'm going to run through them rather quickly. Here are some names to keep an eye on. When you think about one-year deals at bigger money, and you might sign a guy, it might be a contract where you go, oh my God, why in the world did the Celtics give that guy that much money? Again, one-year deal, get the cap space, right? Devote your cap space so it doesn't look like you're tanking, quote-unquote. And then you regain that cap space next year. Here are some names. Enos Cantor. Good fit. Celtics need a big. He's a guy who could spread the floor. Everybody was talking about how Cantor can't play defense. I think he shut a lot of people up about that playing in Portland in the postseason. He was actually pretty good defensively. So Enos Cantor is a name. How about somebody that the Celtics reportedly went after last offseason and just missed out on? How about Boogie Cousins? Boogie Cousins is not going to make a lot of money with Golden State. And with KD and Clay being out now, if they return to Golden State, 
that's going to price them out of the market for Boogie. How about Boogie Cousins on a one-year $10 million deal? If he hits his potential, if he looks healthy, you get a guy who has all-star capability. Yes, he's a headache. But again, these are guys we're talking about taking one-year flyers on. The risk-reward quotient. That's what you've got to pay attention to. So two bigs to keep an eye on. Enos Cantor, Boogie Cousins. Also, actually one more big at the five spot. And I would love this. How about Brooke Lopez? Lopez is probably going to get priced out of Milwaukee. Could you go to Brooke Lopez and offer him one year $10 million, one year $12 million? How great does he fit the Brad Stevens system? Ball movement, right? Spread the floor. Have somebody who can shoot from the five spot. Brooke Lopez is a name to keep in mind. Another big power forward, slash, you know, three slash four. He's been linked with the Celtics before, and I love this guy. How about Jermichael Green? Great fit. Go out and get Jermichael Green. You might have to overpay him. You might have to pay $8 million, $9 million for him. You might have to do that. Jermichael Green on a one-year deal. Even and, and some of these guys, you could sign two-year deals. That's fine. Short-term. Short-term, slightly overspend or maybe even vastly overspend, depending on who it is. How about guards? Ricky Rubio. What if you get Ricky Rubio? You need somebody who can facilitate. Whether you have Jalen Brown or somebody else at the two, I'll get into that a little bit later. Whether you have Jalen Brown or you have Tatum and you have Hayward, and even if you have Brooke Lopez, you don't need a point guard who is going to shoot, 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 shoot. We just saw that with Irving this year. You need a facilitator. And Rubio actually can knock down shots when he's open. He's gotten a little bit better with that. So how about going out and getting a Ricky Rubio on a one- or two-year deal? A guy who's just going to pass the basketball, can break down the defense, he can drive and kick, he'd be perfect in the Stevens system. And that's who the Jazz had brought in to try and sweeten the deal to bring Hayward back. So I think he's got a little uh, connection there with Hayward, It's a fantastic point. Fantastic point by Kyle Hightower, executive producer of this podcast. It's a fantastic... I never even thought of that angle, but it's true. So, you know, you've got Ricky Rubio out there. Darren Collison is another name that I think could fit. If you're looking for offense off the bench at the wing, how about Terrence Ross, a guy who you might overpay for a year? Very J.J. Redick-ish, right? He'll come out, he'll shoot bombs. He's, he's microwave offense off the bench. Terrence Ross. So those are some names. Cantor, Boogie, Rubio, Collison, Ross, Lopez, and Jermichael Green. Multi-year deal possibilities. Maybe you try to go after Malcolm Brogdon. If you're super in love with Malcolm Brogdon, Maybe you force Milwaukee's hand to overpay for him. If they're unwilling to do that because they've got to pay Middleton, then maybe you can steal Brogdon away from Milwaukee if you're interested. Patrick Beverly is a guy who is available. He's going to take reportedly five meetings before he meets with the Clippers, if he even meets with the Clippers. That's somebody that you can sign two years, $20 million, two years, $22 million, whatever, somebody that you can put in the backcourt. He shoots 38% from three. Tatum shoots 40%. So if you think Beverly can't shoot, you're wrong. And imagine Beverly and Marcus Smart in some stretches late in games. Nobody would want anything to do with that defensive backcourt. Beverly and Smart would be an opposition's nightmare. And Beverly's a great team guy. Another guy that I take a swing at, multi-year deal. How about Willie Cauley-Stein? That rim protector you've been looking for. He can rebound. He's super athletic. Get up and down the floor. So there are some names. There are options, other options that you can look at. Uh, Taking on bad one-year deals attached to worthwhile assets. 
You can do that, right? The Celtics have cap space. Now, Chris Paul will never happen, but I'm going to use him as an example. Again, Chris Paul will never happen because he's making $120-plus over the next three years. But let's say a team has a veteran, and the team is trying to get under the cap. They're trying to kind of reset. The Celtics are now an option. That team could send that player to the Celtics. The Celtics take that player because they have the cap space now. Why would the Celtics do that? Because the other team includes assets. Under our situation with Chris Paul, let's say that the Celtics were crazy enough, and again, I don't think they are, but let's say the Celtics are crazy enough to say yes to a deal for Chris Paul. What do they get from that? What is Daryl Morey willing to give up to get out of Chris Paul's contract? Could you get three first-round picks? Could you get four first-round picks? Could you get five first-round picks? Who knows? So a deal similar to that, take on money to take on additional assets. That's an option. The other option is dealing for young cost control talent. And here's the idea I'm all in on. You ready? I'm all in on this. Jalen Brown and draft picks to Washington for Bradley Beal. If the Celtics can do that. Now, there's, there's the rumor out there that New Orleans is looking and, and who knows. And by the way, Sham Sharani had just broke this. Uh, Memphis is trading. This is breaking news. Expected, but breaking news. Uh, Memphis is trading uh, Mike Conley to Utah. So Ricky Rubio officially available now. He's on my list. Uh, Mike Conley going to Utah. The rumor was that uh, Utah was going to deal the 23rd pick in the draft and some other stuff. Uh, and this other stuff is coming out now. Uh, according to Sham Sharania, Utah is sending a package of players, including uh, former Celtic Jay Crowder. Get him back. Uh, Drake, Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, along with draft picks. And by the way, our executive producer, Kyle, he's a big Utah Jazz fan. So now his day is, is just ruined. Now, now he's just going to be paying attention uh, to, to everything else that happens. So Mike Conley to what Utah. <laughs> Mike Conley to Utah. That's just breaking. Uh, it's not going to be breaking when you hear it, of course, on this podcast. I like the deal for Utah. I do. I understand that Conley is banged up. I get it. He, doesn't, he hasn't played a ton of games. He hasn't been the most uh, dependable guy in the world. But Utah is in a spot where they, they've got to go for it. And Jay Crowder is nothing great. I said that when he was a Celtic, when I was on 98.5. He's not great. Uh, so you trade Jay Crowder. You trade 800-year-old Kyle Korver. They're probably going to trade the 23rd pick in the draft. So, you know, when you look at that team, I like that move. I like that move for Utah. I really do. It, it makes a, a ton, a ton of sense. And from the Celtics standpoint, this is big news too. It's big news too because Memphis is going young. This is going to be a rebuild for Memphis. And the Celtics have that Memphis pick. Top six protected next year, unprotected in 2021. So this is good news for the Celtics because it looks like Memphis is going to bottom out. And Memphis bottoms out. They will hopefully, fingers crossed, get a top six pick in next year's draft. And and then you have the 2021. You also have to look at it this way with the breaking news that uh, Conley is going uh, to Utah. And by the way, the the 23rd pick is in this deal. And there is also a future first-round pick. So the deal is Conley to Utah. Uh, Grayson Allen is also in the deal. Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, 23rd pick, future first-round pick. Um, I think that's a no-brainer for Utah. That's a swing that you take. 
Mike Conley's good. And they're not giving up anybody who's going to kill them. Grayson Allen's not going to kill them. Kyle Corver's not going to kill them. Uh, you know, the 23rd pick is not a big deal. Jay Crowder's not that big of a deal. So th- this could affect things because now, not only, not only is the Memphis pick uh, affected by this, but the Memphis pick also becomes a better trade chip because other teams around the league now are looking at this and they're saying, ooh, that 2021 unprotected pick that the Celtics have, that could be damn good. So interesting to see what happens now. Uh, back to my all-in, though. Uh, Jalen Brown, draft picks for Bradley Beal. Uh, New Orleans is being mentioned, looking at Beal. I don't know if they're willing to give up anything that, that Washington would be more excited about than Jalen Brown, but I, I, would, I would call Washington right now and offer that deal. And I would push, 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 push for that deal. Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, both from St. Louis. They're good friends. Those are your two building blocks, and you move forward. Try to keep that Memphis pick. There's also news out there floating around that the Celtics are sniffing, sniffing on Drew Holiday. That was Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN. So if, if Drew Holiday is an option, I would love that. I like the idea of Holiday. I think he's very good. He's a very good defender. He can shoot. He's a good point guard. He's 29 years old. So, you know, not bad. He's, I think he's cost controlled for three years, if I remember correctly. So Holiday, Beal, some other names. The exciting part of this offseason for the Celtics is going to be how creative can they get? How creative can they get this offseason? They have a ton of options. All right, finally, the draft tonight. Follow us again at Causeway Podcast. We will have our live reaction to the draft tomorrow night. We're taping this on Wednesday morning. I'm just going to tell you, by the way, uh, the Jazz will also send a 2020 first-round pick, a protected. That's a protected 2020 first-round pick. And there's a bunch of protections on that. Uh, You can read that (laughs) on your own time. Draft tomorrow night. Here we go, okay? Celtics have pick 14, pick 20, pick 22. I don't know if they'll take uh, one guy, two guys, or three guys tomorrow night. But this is the list. This is my list. And this is only guys that I've watched. I'm not going to tell you about some dude that's been playing basketball in Bolivia. I I don't know shit about that guy. I'm not going to try to tell you I know anything about that guy, okay? Here are the guys that I've watched and that I like. And also, that won't be in the top three. I'm not going to pick off easy ones. Hey, guys, breaking news. Zion Williamson is good. I'm not going to do that, okay? So here are the guys that I've watched, that I've seen. I haven't seen Darius Garland play much basketball, so he's not on the list. Guys that I've seen that won't be in the top three. DeAndre Hunter from UVA. I think he's being overlooked. I think he's a damn good player. I think he's a fit in the modern-day NBA. Uh, He can play defense right away, has a killer wingspan. Uh, He can shoot the three. He might not be as good uh, beyond three in the NBA as he was in college, but he can shoot. He can drive. I like DeAndre Hunter. I like Kobe White from North Carolina. Super fast point guard. He's six foot five. Uh, I just think he's an electric athlete. And if he improves his game steadily over the next year or two, you might look back and say he's the best point guard in this draft. Uh, Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. I really like him. Uh, I, I don't like him as much as I liked him early on in the season, but I like him. Uh, Cam Reddish. There's some questions about Cam Reddish's motor. I like Cam Reddish from Duke. Uh, Rui Hachimura from Gonzaga. I like Hachimura. Uh, Keldon Johnson from Kentucky. I like Keldon Johnson. He does everything well. Maybe nothing great, but everything well. 
Brandon Clark, there's some worry about uh, his wingspan and all this crap. He's a super athlete. Uh, Clark can defend multiple positions on the floor. Uh, He was better offensively last year for Gonzaga once he tweaked his jump shot. I think Clark is a guy who can come in and be in your rotation right away. I like Brandon Clark. Uh, Cameron Johnson from North Carolina, I like Cameron Johnson. I think he's one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in the draft. Tyler Hero uh, is somebody I would take a swing at. I like Hero uh, an awful lot. I think he's athletic. He's kind of a grinded-out dude, uh, a different kind of guy. I think uh, he would be a good pick. Apparently, uh, according to reports, Hero had a great he had a great uh, workout with the Celtics and a great workout with Indiana. So he's a guy you want to think of. Bowl Bowl from Oregon. Uh, I would take a swing on him. I know. He, I was watching Ryan Rosillo last night on SportsCenter, and he brought up that Bowl Bowl always falls down on the floor. But that guy has some ridiculous raw talent and does things that nobody his size should be able to do. So, yes, I would take a swing at Bull Bull. And finally, another guy from UVA that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. He'll remind you a little bit of Malcolm Brogdon, Ty Jerome. I like Ty Jerome. I think Ty Jerome is a starting point guard in the NBA eventually. So there's my list of guys I like. DeAndre Hunter, Kobe White, Jarrett Culver, Cam Reddish, Rui Hachimura, Keldon Johnson, Brandon Clark, Cameron Johnson, Tyler Hero, Bull Bull, and Ty Jerome. That's my draft list. So a lot going on in the Celtics world. Of course, we will react to the draft. We will react to anything else that happens over the next four weeks or so. We will have emergency podcasts if it is necessary. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. Uh, The implosion of this current roster. It's official. It happened pretty much. Now, what do the Celtics do? How do they pick up the pieces? At Causeway Podcast, at Nick C Radio. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Uh, what's the latest? Kyle with iTunes. They're screwing us around. Yeah, I got to fix a couple of things, and hopefully the next time I submit it will be on iTunes. This is bullshit. Bullshit. Try to get on iTunes. Everybody, thanks for listening to us at Causeway Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell every Celtics fan that you know about this podcast. Till next time, Nick Cattles. It's Cattles on Causeway.